0: So Moses is out watching the sheep one day, and it says he leads them over to the other side of the mountain. Well, that's trippy with that behind me. I feel like I should have marshmallows or something. (laughs) I didn't think about how that would look. That's crazy. Okay, so Moses is out there with the sheep, right? And and he sees this bush off in the distance. And, and, And what's interesting is when you read the text, it says he sees the bush, and it says, though it's on fire, the bush itself wasn't burning up. So now he's looking at this, and he's like, Why is this brush fire not actually consuming the bush that it's in flames? And so Moses walks over and as he's approaching the bush, it says the voice of God calls out to him and it says, Moses, Moses, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. And now Moses realizes that this is the voice of God calling out to him from this bush that is on fire. And God says something to Moses that would have blown his mind. He says, Moses, your people, the Israelites, that's his descendants. He says, they have been in captivity in Egypt. And he says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And I want you to ask him to let his people go. So here's the first point that I want to make as we think about stepping into things that might be beyond what we can handle is that God uses ordinary people for extraordinary purposes, God uses ordinary people for extraordinary purposes. Do, do you ever feel like when you read the Bible that somehow they're just like different people than we are? Like you, you hear maybe these stories of characters in the Bible and they feel like superheroes that are somehow different. They somehow got it in the way that we don't. But you guys, I, I want to paint the picture for you Moses was not a capable leader. He literally is a shepherd. He doesn't even have his own farm. He doesn't even have his own sheep. Literally his father-in-law, because Moses doesn't have a job, he's like, I mean, I guess you can watch my sheep. And and God appears to him and he says, Moses, you're a shepherd, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who, by the way, is the most powerful uh, military ruler in the world. Right. This would be like if God appeared to you and he's like, I want you to go to Washington, D.C. and talk to President Biden. He'd be like, uh, I can't get into the White House. Um, he's never going to talk to me. I mean, like, I just don't have access. So d- did you notice Moses' response? Listen to what he says in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh. And bring the Israelites out of Egypt. In other words, Moses is like, God, I'm not really qualified. I'm kind of a nobody. And you just want me to waltz into Pharaoh, king of Egypt's uh, La palace, and be like, hey, Pharaoh, how's it going? Do you mind letting my people out of slavery? Right? Moses doesn't have an army. It's not like he can threaten him. He has no status, no standing, no position, no authority. And yet God says, Moses, I want to use you. Listen, talk about being given more than you can handle. This is way beyond anything that Moses could even dream of handling. And yet here's the truth, is that God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. So church, what I want to suggest to you is that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants you to have influence in this sphere that he's going to bless you to be a part of as, as, as someone of, of leadership and influence. And here's the question. When God calls you into uncomfortable things, things that feel beyond what you feel capable of, will you push in with obedience? And I think for so many of us, our response is like Moses, God, (laughs) I'm not qualified. I don't have what it takes. And the problem is church, When we struggle to push into these things that God calls us to that feel overwhelming, we're looking at our capabilities. We're looking at our capacities. We're looking at our weaknesses. It's all focused on ourselves. And often we look at what God is calling us into and we go, there's no way that I can do this, right? But here's the thing. God is not calling Moses to what Moses can handle. God is calling Moses to something that only God in him and through him can handle, Do you you see now how that, that toxic theology statement, if Moses believed that God would never call him to something that was more than he could handle, Moses would have looked at the burning bush and been like, no, I'm out. This is way more than I can handle. This clearly is not for me. Someone dialed the wrong burning bush phone number. They didn't mean to talk to me. And yet Moses, as God interacts with him, comes to believe that what he needs to do is not to focus on himself, but rather to trust God's capabilities and capacities through him. So here's the question for us, church. Will we step obediently into things that God calls us to, even when it's overwhelming? E- even when it feels beyond what we can handle? That's kind of the key tension that I want us to wrestle with. As God calls us to something that feels overwhelming, that feels beyond what we're capable of, can we step obediently into that? And if we're going to do that, I think there's three things that we need to do. We need to trust, we need to resist, and we need to remember. Remember? Let me walk you through this. If we're going to step into things that are beyond what we can handle and trust that it's truly about what God can handle, number one, we have to trust that it's about God's character, not our circumstances or capabilities. Let me say that again. If we're going to step into things that feel beyond us, that feel overwhelming, if we're going to trust that it's really about what God can handle, not about what I can handle, we have to learn to trust that when God calls us into something, it is about his character, not our circumstances or capabilities. Because Moses, he looks around and he's like, I'm a shepherd. I watch sheep. I don't go to world leaders and ask them to let people out of slavery. That's not who I am and what I do. And yet God has called him and God has chosen him and God will equip him. So what Moses does is, is he, he begins to, to listen to the voice of God and God speaks right into Moses' doubt. So listen to what Moses is challenged with, not to trust his own capabilities, but to trust God's character. Number one, God reminds Moses that he is holy, that God is holy. Verse five, don't come any closer, God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And the idea that God is holy means that God is not like we are. God is different. God is greater and more majestic and more powerful than we are. And when God says, Moses, you are not worthy to come near me, what he's saying is, Moses, I am much more capable than you. You have limitations, but God, who is holy, so holy that you cannot even approach him, he is more capable than you can even imagine. Now, did you notice, likewise, that when God spoke to Moses, he said, not only, Moses, am I holy? But he said, listen, in verse 6, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And what God is reminding Moses of is that he is a God who provides. He is a God who is faithful. Now, if you don't know the names Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these are descendants of Moses. These are his forefathers, And so when God says, Moses, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what he's saying is, Moses, you know those guys. You know their story. I was faithful to them. I provided for them, and I came through for them. And Moses, in the same way, I will provide for you and come through for you. And here's the thing, church, as you read and engage scripture, as you read the stories of people like Moses, Moses is not somehow better than we are. He was an ordinary person that God chose to use, that God chose to equip and empower. And if God is faithful to someone like Moses, God will be faithful to you and I. So that when God calls you into something that feels overwhelming, that feels like more than you can handle, you can trust that God will be faithful and God will be present in that. Here's the third thing that God reminds Moses of is that God is present and aware of the struggles of his people. Listen to verse seven. The Lord said to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. I thought that word was powerful. That God tells Moses, I have seen the suffering of my people I'm I'm sure for some of you, even as I talk tonight about this idea that sometimes God brings us into places that that are overwhelming, some of you are sitting here going, yeah, that's right now. Maybe you are navigating a hard season where your parents are walking through a divorce and their relationship is breaking apart and you're away at school and you're going, I don't know how to navigate this. I don't know why this is happening and I don't know what my role is in the middle of it. Maybe you're an athlete who's navigating a significant injury and you're someone who has poured your time and energy and your identity into being an athlete and suddenly you can't play the sport that you've been training for and you're going, this is overwhelming. I don't know how to navigate this. Maybe some of you, this has been a hard season of struggling to build community and you're going, I'm fighting, feeling lonely and feeling ill-equipped and I'm struggling with, with school and it all just feels overwhelming here's the thing I want to assure you of. Your challenges in the difficult season that you're facing, God is aware of them. And did you notice, not only is God aware of them, but in verse seven, he says, I am concerned about their suffering. Listen, church, I want you to know that God sees you, that God sees your challenges, that God sees your suffering, and God is compassionate towards you. And God is concerned that you are navigating a difficult season that is hard for you. And what God is reminding Moses is that God is present and with him and he is a God who provides and a God who is more than capable. And the final thing that Moses has to trust in the middle of this is that not only is God aware of the suffering of his people, but that God has a plan and a purpose for his people. Notice verse eight. God says to Moses, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land and into a good and spacious land. In other words, God says, it is now time to deliver my people. And listen, here's the challenge. In a hard season that feels overwhelming, we want God to deliver us from it, take it away. And yet often, church, what God does is he delivers us through it. We navigate a hard season and God says, listen, I'm not gonna just take all the challenges away, but I'm gonna walk with you and I'll be present alongside of you and know that God sees your challenges. God sees your season of suffering and he cares and is concerned for you, but he is also a God who is capable and faithful and will not leave you there. You are seen by God and he cares And has compassion for you, and he will see you through this. So we not only need to trust God's character, not our circumstances, but we need to respond with God's call. This is the second major point, by resisting some certain things. So here's what we need to resist. Number one, we need to resist what ifs. These are the hypothetical scenarios. So God calls Moses. Now, I want you to listen to how Moses responds. Exodus chapter 3, 13. Moses said to God. Now, Moses is speaking back to him. He says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? And Moses goes, what what would you like me to tell him? Like, literally, that's what the text says. What, What should I say to them? Likewise, Moses, he's still not convinced that God is calling him to this. So in Exodus chapter four, verse one, Moses again speaks to God and he says, well, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And they say, well, well God didn't really appear to you. Mo- Moses is coming up with every, what if, every hypothetical scenario about why he shouldn't respond in obedience to God's call. You guys, aren't we so good at this? If there's one thing I can do, I can come up with hypothetical scenarios that will amaze you, right? Like when, when I feel like God is calling me to something, it's like, yeah, but what if this really crazy thing that might not happen, but it could happen, and, and, and we play this game. God calls us to something that, that feels challenging and uncertain. It calls us into a place where we don't feel comfortable or convenient. And like Moses, we come up with all sorts of what ifs about why something uh, could happen. I was talking to my therapist a couple months ago, and we were sitting in his office, and uh, he, he looks at me. I don't even remember what we were talking about. He goes, do you think you're safe in my office? And part of me is like, is this a trick question? Like, are you, are you threatening me? Or what is this? <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, what, what's a wise response? I'm like, I, I think so. He goes, what do you mean you think so? And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, I'm relatively safe, but what if a car came crashing through the wall? You know, like there's a busy intersection right there. And he looks at me and he kind of chuckled. He goes, I mean, that could happen. But here's what he said. He said, Aaron, you can't live in the could. I want you to think about this, right? God calls us to things And we look at it and we come up with all the what ifs. Well, this could happen. Well, that could happen. Well, what if this thing takes place? But listen, church, could hypothetical scenarios, the what ifs, those are not real. And God cannot grace us for what ifs because what ifs are not actually real. God graces us for what's true and what's reality. And when God calls you to something, he will grace you to walk in it and to walk through it. And so, church, we need to resist all the what ifs that we want to come up with and trust God's character and his capacity and his sufficiency. Now, not only do we need to resist the what-ifs, but number two, we need to resist making excuses. So as Moses responds to God, he moves on from uh, the what-ifs and now starts making excuses. In chapter 4, verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. Which, by the way, I appreciate how, um, how polite his disobedience is, right? Right? He doesn't just say, no, I'm not going to do that. He goes, uh, pardon your servant, Lord. I kind of picture him British. Pardon your servant, Lord. <laughs> he goes, I, I've never really been eloquent. Now, what Moses is saying is, I'm not good at speaking, and you want me to go to Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, and you want me to like, speak eloquently to him? He goes, ah, uh, I'm not a good speaker. Now, don't, don't you think God knew that Moses doesn't know how to speak? Right? Moses is not surprising God with anything. And, and yet Moses is making this excuse of like, ah, God, you're, you, you can't really call me. Like, this isn't something I'm good at. But it's not about Moses being good at uh, what God's called him to. It's a question of, will he step into it obediently and trust that God will equip him as he responds? And so church, sometimes we, we, we make all the what if hypothetical scenarios about why we can't respond in obedience. And then we make excuses well, I'm not really good at this and I don't know how to do that. I mean, this was me when I felt called into ministry. I was like, God, every time I have to give a speech, I want to throw up like my brother eating rat poison, right? I I can't be a pastor. Like, I hate public speaking. But it's a question of will we take that next step of obedience? So much of my journey has not been saying yes to the big picture of all that God's called me to. It's just saying yes to the next step that I know to take. I don't know the next five years. All I know is God says, I want you to step into this. I'll say the next yes and the next yes and the next yes. So in that church, the other thing we need to resist is disobedience. Listen to what Moses does. Exodus 4:13. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. I think that's funny, right? Moses is is not even like, he's not going to make any more excuses. He's not going to come up with any more reasons about hypothetically what could go wrong. He just says, excuse me, God, I don't want to go. Find anyone else, somebody else. And it's at this point, as you read the text, this is the first time that God kind of gets angry with Moses because Moses is being disobedient and disrespectful. So for me, I I had this moment in college where uh, I was called into ministry and uh, was going to undergrad to study, to be a pastor. And I still hated public speaking. And the church that I was interning at, the, the lead pastor said, Aaron, I'd like you to preach on a Sunday morning service. And I was like, oh, but can I not? Like inside, right? And I'm like, I don't want him to think I'm a terrible student. I was like, uh, sure. Like outside I'm saying yes, inside I'm like, no, 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 not this, right? So the night before I'm gonna preach was absolutely terrible, I couldn't sleep. The whole night I wanted to throw up, right? I'm laying in bed and I'm like, it's midnight. I have to preach in six hours. I feel terrible. And then I look at the clock and it's 2 a.m. And I'm like, I have to preach in four hours. Like I'm counting down the time, right? I'm just a bundle of anxiety. And, and I literally had this moment where I told God, it's too late to back out now. So I'm going to preach tomorrow and then never again. I am a one and done, like, never again. This is terrible. I hate this. I hate not sleeping. I hate the anxiety. I'm done. And so the next morning, I, I preached this message. And I couldn't, part of me, like, couldn't wait for it to be over because I just felt so nervous and anxious. And I, and I thought back to that agreement. God will do this one time, and then I'm done. I quit. I don't ever want to do this again. And as the service is wrapping up, I noticed this um, teenager from the youth group there that was sitting down in front and he's pretty emotional and I sat down and talked to him and uh, he gave his life to Jesus in that moment and I I wanted to celebrate but I really felt convicted and I went and sat in my car and it was one of those moments I'm not going to tell you God spoke audibly to me it wasn't that it was the sense in my heart and in my spirit that God said to me Aaron you have no idea Who waits on the other side of your obedience? Some of you have been called to something. You feel God nudging you into something and it terrifies you. Maybe God is calling you to go home over spring break and to be a Christian witness to your family and your family doesn't understand your faith and you're like, I don't want to be the like holy roller church kid at home. Like, my, my, my friends from high school, they don't know me that way. My parents don't know me that way. And yet you sense the Holy Spirit telling you, go home and bear witness to the difference the gospel has made in your life. And it terrifies you. You have no idea who waits on the other side of your obedience. Maybe for some of you, God is calling you to change your major to one thing or another and you're like, but I don't, I don't know if I can do this and that thing terrifies me and yet you sense the conviction of the Spirit calling you to something. You have no idea who waits on the other side of your obedience and how God wants to use you and bless you in the process. So we need to resist, resist what ifs, excuses, and disobedience. On the flip side of that, church, here's what we need to remember. Remember? What we need to remember is that, number one, God is present. As God speaks to Moses in verse 12, he says this, and God said, I will be with you. I love the simplicity of that phrase. I will be with you. And church, it's this reality that the things that God calls you to, he doesn't say, go ahead, I wish you luck and leave you behind. No, what God calls you to, God will go with you into And so what Moses has to remember is that God isn't calling him to go out on his own in something that God is not also going to grace him for and equip him for. God will be present with Moses. And I promise you, church, if you step obediently into that thing that feels overwhelming, into that thing that feels like more than you can handle, and yet it seems like what God has placed in front of you, I promise you, you will encounter God's presence in real tangible ways as you step into that. So in the midst of obedience, we need to remember that God is present with his people. Number two, we need to remember that you are not supposed to go it alone, that I am not supposed to go it alone. A couple key verses here. In in Exodus 3.16, God tells Moses, go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I've watched over you and seen what has been done to you in Egypt. Now, I want to draw your attention to this first line. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Go to them and say that What he's saying is, Moses, you don't have to do this alone. The elders of Israel, these are people of spiritual maturity and wisdom. And he says, Moses, trust the community of Christ followers that you are a part of. And church, so many times when we feel overwhelmed or intimidated by what's in front of us, we think that we have to be self-sufficient and have to figure it out on our own. And we don't. Number one, God is present with you. And number two, you have a community of Christ followers around you. You are not meant to go it alone. In in chapter four, when Moses gets really scared, actually, God will say, "Your, your brother Aaron, take him with you. And I think sometimes, church, we miss the beauty of the community that's right around us, of people that are following Jesus and have wisdom and insight to offer you into your own journey. So remember that God is present. Remember that you're not supposed to go it alone. Number three, we have to remember God's power and God's strength. That when God calls us to something that's beyond our capability, that's beyond my power and my strength, I have to trust God's power and his strength. And and a couple things, one, uh, that leads me to a place where I'm not in control, which is intimidating. But what's really encouraging about this is trusting the God who is more than sufficient and more than capable. So there's this unique part in the story in Exodus chapter four, verse three, where God is speaking to Moses and he says, Moses, what's in your hand? He says, a staff. He says, I want you to throw it on the ground. So Moses threw his staff on the ground, and when he threw it on the ground, it became a snake. Reach out your hand to take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and he took hold of the snake and it turned back to his staff in his hand. This says the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you." Now, at first blush, it's kind of a weird story, isn't it? Moses has his, his shepherd's staff. When he throws it on the ground, it becomes a snake. And he says, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to pick it up. And as soon as Moses touches it, it turns back into a staff again. What God is doing, though, is he's communicating something really powerful to Moses. In ancient Egyptian lore, the Pharaoh was always imagined as a snake. In fact, if you look at the headdress of the Pharaoh, it it was designed to look like a cobra. And the Pharaoh of Egypt was imagined to be in the divine image as a snake. He was to have godlike qualities, in, in envisioned with the power of, of, of the king Cobra, who was sort of the ruler of the desert. But when what God is demonstrating, when he turns the staff into a snake and then back into a staff, what he's telling Moses is, listen. He's saying, "Moses, you were afraid of the, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt." but he's saying Moses." I am much more powerful than the Pharaoh. Just as you controlled this staff, it goes, I am sovereign and more powerful than even Pharaoh can imagine. And what God is communicating through this story is that even Pharaoh will bow down to the power and majesty of God. And so where it seems that the odds are stacked against Moses, God is saying, Moses, you are just beginning to see my strength. And so as we step into that thing that feels overwhelming and challenging. Remember that God is present. Remember that you don't go it alone. Remember that God's power and strength is sufficient. And number four, know that God will prepare and equip you. Two key verses here. Exodus 4, 12. God says to Moses, now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. I, I, I love this. He, he doesn't say, Moses, go and you'll just figure it out. He goes, no, I will help you. I, I'm, I'm going to help you speak. I'll teach you what to say. And then in in verse 15, he says, you shall shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. And he's talking about his brother, Aaron, the priest, who's going to go with him. He says, I will help both of you speak and catch this. He says, and I will teach you what to do. And and I love this church because when God calls me to something that's overwhelming, I go, "Uh, God, I have no idea what to do. Do you want to hear something really reassuring? God doesn't expect you to have it all figured out. And I love what Pastor Brennan is doing in the, the What's Next class. Because you guys, when I graduated college and stepped into my first life like, career job and was trying to figure things out, I was like, nobody told me how to grow up. And I don't know what to do, and I feel really incapable. And what I love about this is God says to Moses and Aaron, he goes, you don't even need to know what to do. I'm going to help you what to know what to say. I'm going to teach you what to do. And then the idea is take the next step and know that in taking the next step that God will meet you there, and he will show you the way. What I want is for God to give me a roadmap of the next 10 years of my life, but he doesn't do that. What God does is he says, here's the next step. Step in with faithfulness. And know that God will equip you and that God will teach you. Not only is he present, but I'll help you speak. I'll teach you what to say. I will teach you what to do. And so in that thing that's in front of you that you're going, I have no idea what to do. Take the next step of obedience and say, Lord, I'm here and I'm willing. Would you show me and would you teach me what to do? And the God who sees you And the God who is concerned about your suffering will meet you there and he will show you the way. And and here's the reality too. This last point is this. You need to remember that the process of obedience is the means that God will use to grow us. Here's what I mean by that. If we can go back to Exodus 4, 12, and 15 where God says, I will teach you what to say. Did did you notice that the verbs are future-oriented? I will teach you, I will help you, I will teach you what to do. What we want is to say, God, teach me it all now. Equip me now. And what God says is, no, 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 Moses, you can't learn these things until you step into the challenge. He goes, step into the thing that terrifies you and know that I will teach you there. And I go, ah, God, how about you teach me here? Equip me beforehand. And God goes, it doesn't work like that. Step into it and know that I'll teach you in the process. And here's what I know, church. It's something about the struggle of stepping into that thing that terrifies me and wrestling with God in the process that actually prepares me for spiritual maturity. So I pray tonight that you would resist the what-ifs and the excuses and the places of disobedience and that you would trust God's circumstances or God's character and his capabilities and that you'd remember that he's present, that you have a community of people who support you, that God's power and strength is more than capable and that he will prepare and equip you as you step into it. Can I pray for us as we continue uh, to worship tonight? God, I thank you for the truth of your word and I thank you for the example of Moses. Lord, help us to walk in obedience even in the things that terrify us. And Lord, in the places where we wanna pull back and we don't wanna step into things that make us feel uncomfortable, Lord, would you help us to trust that it's not about us and what we're capable of or our incapabilities, but Lord, it's about trusting you. It's about trusting who you say you are, who your word says you are. It's about trusting your power, your strength, and believing that you're a God who sees us in our struggle and wants to guide us and lead us through. A God who says, I will show you, I will teach you, I will help you. So Lord, we need you. Would you show us? Would you teach us? Would you help us? And would you guide us in your grace, mercy, and compassion. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.